0: Hello passionate people, you are listening to Passion Harvest. Thank you so much for listening today and as always I'm so passionate to share these episodes with you. I'm Louisa, your host, International Passion Ambassador. Every week we share new episodes talking with people across the planet who have an inspiring, entertaining and passionate story to share, taking you on a journey to discover your passion. Hello, my passionate guest today is Rachel Capuso. Rachel is the creator of Aeolian Heart Astrology, a voice that blends ancient hermeticism with pop culture and fine art. I hope I said that properly. (laughs) She believes that astrology is magic because following the rhythm of the planets makes Life feel like a graceful dance. Her favorite season is Virgo, when the pomegranates are ripe and the sunsets have that amber glow. Welcome to the wonderful world of Rachel Gupus. So, Rachel, welcome to Passion Harvest.
1: Hello, thank you so much for having me, Louisa.
0: I'm so excited to have you on the show today. That's me as well. Thank you. <laughs> and um, I, I guess you're foremost authority on astrology. I've got a lot of questions for you. First. Um, I guess your the blog that you do, it's, it's just so different. It, it incorporates music and the way you write is just like almost like a poet <laughs> with astrology. How did that get started?
1: Oh, my goodness. Um, well, it's, it's not like the simplest origin story, but basically when I graduated from grad school, when I got my master's degree in 2015, I had like, I had like a postgraduate nervous breakdown because I did not get the jobs I was supposed to get. I wasn't like, I wasn't hired as an adjunct professor at the time that I was supposed to be. And that had, that was the track I was on. It was all very clear. I was going to become a professor. I didn't um, get this particular job. And I also didn't have any potential to get a really good job. I was kind of, Looking at making minimum wage part time for the next few years, and I was really, really um, under a lot of pressure, just financially speaking, because I had mm-hmm. taken up loans to go to school, and I had this like real crisis of everything coming down on me. And when um, I finally pulled myself out of that, I took the summer to just kind of collapse and do a lot of meditating, trying to put myself back together, and um, by September or actually late August of that summer, I graduated in May by late August. Um, I was really, really, um, occupied with reading astrology charts for my friends. It was my hobby. It's what I did for fun. Mm -hmm. And I had this little part-time job, like I said, and they were moving their office from, about a mile and a half away to about 40 miles away. And it would be about a two hour drive through downtown LA traffic. So I was looking at my very little subsistence becoming a million times harder mm. on top of everything. And so I was sitting with one of my friends, and I was, he's older than me and wiser than me. I would consider him somebody like a mentor of sorts. And I was giving him a reading. And I was telling him about what happened with my job. And he said, well, why don't you do this? And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> he was like, why don't you do this? And I'm like, you mean astrology? You mean I do astrology for a living? He was like, absolutely. And so it clicked. Something actually like clicked inside. And I thought for the first time, maybe I could. And I realized that I had... A really significant transit coming up in my 10th house of career, which is very easy to read if you know how to read an astrology chart. I had this significant transit of Mercury, the planet of writing and communication, learning, transiting my 10th house coming up in about a week. And so I decided what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a ritual to mark the moment that Mercury enters my 10th house and I'm going to ask. For the momentum I need, the lift I need to actually start something that will enable me to write for a living and do astrology, which would make me really happy, creatively fulfilled, and it would give me a sense of purpose again, because I had really this like... I felt like a racehorse that was penned up after grad school. Cause I loved writing. I was really involved in writing in grad school and I was writing so much, just such voluminous amounts of research and writing. And when I had nothing to write about, I felt like I was just pawing at the ground with nowhere to run. And so I did this ritual on the beach in Malibu with my boyfriend at the time. He's my husband now. And after that, things started to click and I actually had the courage to write my first blog post about a week later. Um, I just made a free WordPress thing, wrote a blog blog post and I shared it, which was actually really hard for me because up until that point I had never had any online presence, no public writing whatsoever. Um, My Facebook profile was even like, I didn't have a picture of myself. I was incredibly private. I I
0: get it. I'm the, I was the same.
1: So to actually like break through that many layers, that's what magic is for. You know, it allows you to change your consciousness enough to break through layers and grow. And so I actually broke through all of that shyness and rigidity and actually just wrote something and shared it. And the first article I wrote was to honor um, Venus in Leo's, uh, she was retrograde. So Venus turned direct after a retrograde period. And so I wrote an article to honor that moment and I shared it and I remember that I was really scared people were going to make fun of me. I went through all of that, but I actually saw that I had like I think I got like 700 reads, like 700 wow. people read it over a week and that blew my mind because Up until that point, my writing had only ever been shared with very intimate friends and like classrooms. You know, it was like a very small group of people that I had ever shared writing with. I was never like sharing stuff online. So that really taught me something like, this is a humongous magnification of what I was doing before. And so I just kept at it and I was having a lot of fun. and so every single week, I would write something. I would write a forecast, and I was doing it in this way that I thought was very therapeutic for me. I thought it was very healing and very, like, heart-opening for me to write these pieces for myself because I was still kind of putting myself back together after having faced so much fear and agony about my financial future after mm-hmm. grad school. And so, about a month into writing these pieces. Um, it started picking up momentum, which is really just good timing and pure luck, you know? And I got, um, this woman named Carolyn Elliott, she reached out to me and she said, I really like your articles. Would you like to have a column on my blog, which was called bad witches at the time? It's called witch magazine now. And this was a month into writing blogs. And so I just like, I leapt on that and I said, yeah, absolutely. And, um, After that, I began to be led slowly by all kinds of synchronicities and gracious people who would write me and offer me advice or help or all kinds of things to help me connect dots. Suddenly, about six months in, I realized, like, I've really started a business. And I actually just kind of organically let it lead me. And that's how I started writing these pieces. Um, As far as the way that I write them, I just loved writing essays in college so much and um i used to be my first career path was to be a high school literature teacher and so i can't work in public schools because they're just like a they're a very toxic environment that is um really damning to the creative spirit Um, but i am a personal tutor i don't have students right now but um i usually am a personal tutor And I love teaching mythology and literature and history and things like that. So that's like my other hobby. So I just took my two hobbies and I put them together. And I found that people really like reading about astrology more if you can give it personal context, if you can make it accessible through recognizable mythology and pop culture literary themes, it makes it more understandable. And then vice versa, people prefer reading about literature and mythology and poetry and music um, if you have astrology sprinkled on top. The two things blend together to make the other more enjoyable. So it was just pure like inspiration and I was basically just trying to continue the work that I was doing in grad school, um, but make it more fun. I don't have to put all of these footnotes and jargon And like, and make it so stiff and so referential to boring academic articles that nobody wants to read. I was actually liberated from all of the academic rhetoric so I could just write and teach. So that's how it
0: started. I I love that. And it directly relates to passion, harvest and passion because you were following your passions. You were doing what you loved and you tapped into your individual uniqueness which we all have in this world, but you really, um, embrace that. You didn't try to copy anyone else. You let your uniqueness shine through with your passion and it was successful. And that's just such a beautiful, um, case study. Like it's a dream case study, really.
1: (laughs) It is. I, I'm very grateful. And I do have like, I have moments still where I go like, Oh, I've got so much work to do, but it doesn't last very long. Like I really wake up quick from those kinds of fugues and remember like you 're very lucky, and this is amazing what you get to do, so like snap to it let 's go <laughs> <We're- laughs>
0: there 's always work, but generally, if you loved um, doing it, uh, it, it makes it a little easier, and time morphs and you time just disappears
1: yeah exactly exactly exactly
0: to- so about astrology what what can kind of astrology do for us or teach us?
1: Okay, well, um, astrology has it has many definitions. Um, one that I like is from Antero Ali. He says astrology is turning synchronicity into a skill. So, for those of you who know what synchronicity is, it's basically it's the word that Carl Jung came up with to describe meaningful coincidences that give us this feeling like we're in a dialogue with the universe itself. Um, when we see signs and symbols in our lives that lead us somewhere or that give us the answers or that give us the impression that we're on the right path, that's what synchronicities are. And so astrology teaches you how the how the universe is interconnected, how everything's interwoven, how everything is a reflection of everything else, which is foundational, ancient, hermetic philosophy. Um, The motions of the planets correspond to the motions of things on earth. The development of our lives down here are reflected in what goes on in the heavens. And I think it's really important to see this interconnected web of life rather than a separated compartmentalized vision of things because all of the separation and compartmentalization that we were kind of well typically that often people are raised to live in
0: disconnected
1: disconnected it makes you feel powerless it makes you feel honestly i feel like one thing that um people believe about astrology that I don't think is so true is that it's, it's um, a practice that gets you locked into fatalism, that you somehow start believing in fate and that you can't change your fate. Mm-hmm. I don't find that to be true with astrology. I think living in like a linear way of thinking is more fatalistic. Believing that you can't change anything about yourself is fatalistic. Believing that you are your IQ or your diagnosis, or any other thing that sort of fates you to follow a straight line. um, Astrology does not do. Astrology gives you so many uh, choices and such a large vision of how many cycles of development are actually in motion at all times. Um, It's really two different ways of thinking about time. There's the linear time that we live in, in modern Western society which is not bad but i mean it's it's what enables train schedules and appointments like this appointment was made possible by linear time
0: which thank you been
1: <laughs> the future but there's also cyclical time which is far more uh, primal and far more evocative of what nature is really about and this is the vision of rise and fall, ebb and flow, death and rebirth. Everything is a cycle Um, and astrology sees time that way and so when you follow astrological wisdom you you start to live in at least half the time in cyclical time and that gives you a completely different vision of what you're doing and where you're at. And it's not fatalistic so much as like broadening to your vision of who you are and what you're doing and what you're developing, what's growing in your life. It gives you a sense of timing, like what is meant to ripen right Mm -hmm. now and what is meant to wither. And it gives you some acceptance of that as well, because you realize even if something's withering, that's not going to remain that way. The withering will precipitate some sort of new ripening new blossoming so it really gives you a lot more uh, patience and a lot more connection to the way that nature actually works you know like it gives you um i think a feeling uh like a natural faith in the rejuvenation and resurrection of things which i think is very um important to having a healthy emotional and psychic life you know
0: That was so beautifully described. You're like a poet. (laughs) And when you were talking about that, it really reminded me um, what we were talking about earlier when you left college or university, college as you call it, we call it university here, (laughs) Um, you were fearful and you only felt that you had a linear path.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And it directly relates to, no, you didn't. There's so much more, such such a broader range of um, options to you if you tapped into those synchronicities and the universal power so yes nothing's linear
1: exactly exactly
0: and that for me personally really removes when I'm aware of that when I'm aware of the universe and what's around me it, it removes fear which is such a fundamental roadblock
1: yeah absolutely 100%. I I completely agree. And when you really examine like our fear of fatalism, our fear of fatalism comes from the incredibly fatalistic culture that we off a lot of us live in. Um, Like I said, things like telling children how smart they are with a number, Mm. early on in grade school. It's pretty fatalistic. You know, you're telling a child what their potential is based upon one small myopic measure that is then kind of randomly quantified in a number. And that gives this child a sense that they can't go past a certain limit. They can't raise themselves up to a certain level, nor like should they explore things below. There's this like very rigid linear idea of how life is set up. Mm-hmm what levels they're allowed to to travel upon so that's that's fatalism and it's like very we're obsessed with creating such ideas and control yeah we're (laughs) obsessed with that whereas like the reason why i fell in love with reading natal charts like before i started writing astrology um, I just loved reading natal charts, and I never had my chart read by anybody before I learned to read my own. so it had a weird like backwards way into astrology. I started studying it, read my own chart first before I got a professional reading um, but that was really important for me because one of the reasons I never got a professional reading was because I have and definitely had in the past a much worse case of Uh, perfectionism and self-doubt and anxiety. And anytime I would get any kind of measure or um, like description of who I was, Mm -hmm. let's say a personality test, a career potential test, an IQ test, these things, um, even no matter what, I would just feel bad about the results. Something about it would make me feel like ashamed or flawed. Like I could have done better or something's wrong. Limited. Limited, I just hated the feeling, and it would always make me super neurotic and feel like, ah. So, I never got a natal chart reading. I was <laughs> really afraid that, like, oh, great, so I'm gonna find out about myself and it's gonna be bad. And I encounter a lot of people that have this fear. So, I started studying astrology, and when I learned to read my natal chart, I realized, like, I love my natal chart. I saw it as this holistic, organic beautiful thing like a natural object like the way that we admire every leaf on a tree all the leaves are slightly different but you don't say this leaf is ugly because it's not it's beautiful it's just filled with these like these branching veins and these gorgeous colors and the different like the, the way the sunlight pours through it's very beautiful and natal charts are like that they're these like beautiful natural objects and you see it's a circle so just symbolically speaking you relate to it as a whole you don't divide yourself into a million little parts little compartments little you know mm. little sort of like polaroids of yourself that don't add up to a big picture it is the big picture and so you can like fully embrace yourself for the first time without judgment you kind of just go like wow this is this is amazing because everybody's natal chart is filled with like an interesting story you know there's all of these potentials and even quote-unquote the the weak planets or the vulnerable placements and stuff they really tend to create character they really tend to like actually enhance people's life in a valuable way so when you look at the natal chart as a whole even a, a, a difficult area of your life sort of comes through as something quite useful you see the wisdom in even our flaws and weaknesses. Quote unquote," rather than from a linear perspective, your weaknesses are bringing you down or holding you back. And that's it. Like, that's the only way to look at it down or back. Whereas in the natal chart, it's a perfect circle. It's a beautiful, holistic image of who you are. And your supposed weakness is actually like this great window to wisdom and compassion and all of these wonderful things that you have inside of you and that you share with others. So the natal chart reading is one of my favorite things to do because it's so loving it's filled with love and wisdom. And that's why I love doing it. Um, so yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) That brings me to one of my questions about the natal chart. Number one, what if someone doesn't have their time of birth?
1: Hmm. Okay. So that, um, there is a process, um, called chart rectification. It's very advanced. I don't do chart rectification, actually, Mm -hmm. not capably enough to like sell it anyway. Um, But the basic, it's a very laborious process where a very skilled astrologer can take your birth date um, and your location. And then they actually ask you a bunch of questions. And these are all questions to try to determine what was what cycles were in what place at what time in your life so you kind of give them like a history a personal mm-hmm. history. from your personal history and what they have they will actually discover what your birth time is approximately it cannot okay. be accurate to the second but I believe that a very good chart rectifier gets it to the hour which is good so mm-hmm. yeah there is actually there is a practice called chart rectification if somebody doesn't know their birth time You can look that up and you can get a natal chart reading. Um, Otherwise, you can simply look at the placement of the planets in the signs and you won't have an accurate read of what houses, which is a loss of information. However, It's not completely useless to know something about your sun sign, your mercury sign. It's not useless to know these things. So even if you can't get your chart rectified and you don't know your birth time, I would say like it's still valuable to understand what signs your planets are in and what relationship those planets are in. It would still offer information that could be very useful to you.
0: For sure. I I think I had a, a chart done when I was probably 10 <laughs> not so not for a while um but if 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 one was to get a natal chart done does it sort of tell you years that things are more profitable when you should sign contracts um who your potential soulmate what star sign they might be for example does it what, what sort of details <laughs> are in the chart as
1: far as um, what star sign your ideal lover should be, I find that very difficult because, again, like somebody has an entire chart. Um, so you can't base it just on the sun sign. But there is an art called Sinistry. Mm-hmm. You do, do that. And that's where you look at how two charts blend together and you can get a lot of valuable information about compatibility. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, you can study a natal chart and the transits that are going around currently to get an idea of when good timing for many things are Um, that's the art of electional astrology Mm -hmm. when should I do this when should I do that Um, and it's also the foundation of astrological magic which is one of my passions it's part of what I teach it's what like makes my business really alive for me Mm -hmm. is that not only do I write about what's going on with the planets right now but I teach people how to seize good moments, to do things. So if you think about the motions of the planets as being currents, um, it's a lot easier to open up your sail and get somewhere when the current and the wind is blowing you there. So okay. rather than like fighting so hard to impose your will upon the universe, which we can do, but it's not always efficient or smart or worth it even. You know, it's a lot, Better to know what the climate is and kind mm-hmm. of go with that flow. Um, so, for example, when I did that ritual with Mercury entering 10th house Virgo, Mercury is very strong in the sign of Virgo, his exaltation and his rulership. Um, it's also the placement of my natal Mercury, meaning I was born with Mercury and Virgo, and it's my 10th house of career. So, that ritual is an example of astrological magic or. Just good timing. This is a good time to envision starting a business in whatever way makes sense to you. In my case, it was this witchy little beach ritual that my husband and I created and uh, launched into the universe. Other people, it could be like a hardcore journaling session or some like, you know, crazy whiteboard work or whatever it is we do, a vision board, you know. Um, But that's good timing because mercury entering my house of career is a launch point to do something business-wise so that's just one example but um i like to think of like the planetary energies they wax and wane they ripen and they wither depending on what sign they're in and so to know where the planets are in terms of their zodiacal placements, is really valuable for knowing when a good time to do something is, and of course, knowing how that relates to your personal chart is incredibly useful. Um, one of the things that I have done for my business, like one of the reasons why I feel like it's been a fairly graceful growth, it's not always perfect. Nobody has that <laughs> growth, but like fairly graceful growth is because. I do my best to follow the planetary energies so that I don't have to, like, fight so much upstream. And I definitely have worked with people to give them, you know, I work with other creative entrepreneurs and stuff to give them good dates for launching things, for throwing parties, etc. You can absolutely use astrology that way. So it's useful.
0: I don't disagree with that. I'm thinking, gosh, I need to get a chart done. <laughs> But aside from that, and I certainly am a believer, the power of the mind is an incredible thing. So if you have the belief that if I launch this website on a certain date and it will be successful, Mm -hmm. do you also agree it is the power of the mind that facilitates that as well? Um,
1: Yes. I mean, I think more than the mind, you need, like, your heart to be in
0: it. Yes, the utter belief that this would that come into yeah, consideration th- as well
1: i definitely think so i mean i i think of again like the metaphor of currents in in water um if the current is flowing and you Put some effort into it. You maybe get some oars out. You put some like love into getting to your destination. It's going to work out a lot better than if you just sit there. Mm-hmm. You know, absolutely. Like there, it's a it is definitely a co-creative process. Um, the power of the mind. Like you can psych yourself into things, and you can psych yourself um, into fear and mm-hmm. and trepidation. That's completely unnecessary. That is a danger. Uh, in astrology but it's a danger in many fields so I don't feel like it's um, an astrological issue I think it's like a psychological issue that we have problems with when we read the news and economic reports and all kinds of things where we start to get locked into a negative loop that begins to then kind of curse our progress or curse our our happiness Um, in astrology it's very common for people to be like you know, super negative about some planets and some transits. And I do think that creates a sort of vibe that fulfills that, that fear. Mm -hmm. You can definitely do that. Mercury retrogrades are the most obvious example. A lot of people like to get um, super afraid of mercury retrogrades and super, um, you know, anxious about making any moves or doing anything like signing a contract. There's a a great amount of superstition and fear about mercury retrogrades. Um, I used to fight against that a lot. I used to really, really try to like, I had an event every mercury retrograde where I would assuage people's fears and let them know there's great purpose in this. There's great meaning in it. It's not all bad. But then I realized like, I think people also just need these natural periods where they can get out a lot of their (laughs) anxiety. And I feel like, It's almost like a weird holiday for people to get out their frustration about things that don't go well. Like people like to rage against mercury retrogrades. So maybe it's something people need. But I have seen that people psyching themselves into a belief that can certainly condemn their work, Mm -hmm. believing that a transit is going to help you definitely helps it definitely helps but the really fascinating thing is i don't think it's just in the mind i think that um there's a certain level where you realize that your consciousness is a reflection of like a greater consciousness and so you're interlinked inextricably interlinked with something greater than you like the world soul we can call it Mm -hmm. traditionally the world soul in hermeticism um, but it's it's it gives you a vision of things being a little bit bigger than you too like sometimes you can feel the the energies um, and whether you believe in them or not <laughs> like I've done many different experiments where You know, I've looked back on periods of my life where I had no knowledge of the planets whatsoever. I had no idea what was going on. And yet, it's pretty clear to me that these influences were at work. Like, if you look at your own history through these cycles, their um, effects... present whether you knew about them or not whether you believed in them or not and in fact I had many phases of my life where I didn't believe in astrology at all I went full-on academic enlightenment era like throw it out you know I was like I sided with Voltaire like astrology is stupid it's astronomy's stupid younger or older sister you know I had like I loved Voltaire I went through that phase and everything Um, but it seems to it seems to be a language to describe an ecological wisdom, some force of nature that's out there. And it's just one lens, it's one language that we have to describe those cycles of growth and development and evolution. It's not the only one, but it's a very potent one. So I don't think it's just your belief or mm. not. I don't think it's just our mind playing tricks on us, though that is a part of the game. You gotta get online to work with these energies, you know, you have have to be like, you have to be um, willing to play for it to be fun.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And very interesting. And I guess that takes me back to astrological magic. What do you mean by that? Because that sounds really interesting.
1: Well, um, it's really like, it's really traditional, um, really simple philosophically. The basic idea is that you know I, I believe that every person with an imagination which is everyone at some level everyone has an imagination a lot of people say they don't because they're not artists or whatever mm-hmm. but everybody has pictures in their mind everybody so asso- free associates when they are speaking and listening everybody has an imagination so I believe the imagination is a sign of what we call magical power. We have the ability to create from the images that we are like blessed with and gifted with. And that's what magic is. It's using your imagination to create shifts in reality, to create new pathways in your life so that you can evolve in desired ways. Um, And what astrology adds to this gift of creation, is the right timing for things so like i said it's really all about like basic agricultural wisdom is this fruit ripe Hmm. did i pick it now if it's not the right time you're gonna waste so much of your energy so much of your efforts if you pick all these green things and try to eat them you're just gonna get sick Whereas if you wait until they're ripe, you're gonna really have an amazing harvest and you're going to be able to feed everybody and really relish and enjoy. So astrological magic is knowing what the planets, what the planetary energies facilitate, what they're associated with, knowing when the planets, what signs the planets are strongest and most ripe in, and then taking that knowledge and choosing really key moments to facilitate growth and evolution in your life. So example from the beginning, Mercury's moving into my 10th house of career. I wanna be a writer. I've always been a writer and I've never had the courage up until this moment to just say that. I wanna be a writer. <laughs> like, let me be a writer, please. And like, I used that perfect key moment where Mercury was in a very strong sign in a very strong place in my chart to just ask for what it is I really wanted and I did magic at that moment, that's astrological magic. Mm And it does. It's like, it's not that I couldn't have done that at another time, but there seems to be like just a wave of energy that's behind you. It helps to push it along so you don't have to struggle so much. So it feels more organic and natural and graceful. Um, Another way to look at it is astrological magic is like turning life into a dance which is very nice because in the ancient, ancient world, the motions of the planets were described as the music of the spheres. And there, in fact, um, music theory in the classical sense was um, predicated upon this idea that the music we hear on Earth is like a Xerox copy of a Xerox copy of this grand celestial music that's being played by the planets and so like that's the real music in the universe and the music we have on earth is just a reflection of that and so when you know about how the planets are moving you're tuned into this music and therefore you get into rhythm with things and it's so much smoother and more graceful when you're in rhythm than if you're like off beat you know <laughs> so
0: absolutely <laughs>
1: So that's astrological magic. It's just getting into rhythm so that things flow a little smoother for you and it's more fun and it feels good to be in rhythm. Like we all know that feeling where like when the music picks us up and we're in it, it feels so much better than just like walking around stiff and not being able to find the rhythm. Like that is a very uncomfortable feeling. And I do believe that being so disconnected from the earth itself, forget about the planets. We're disconnected from our planet. Mm-hmm disconnected from all natural rhythms, all cyclical understandings of time. These things force us to be out of rhythm, and it is painful. Where we're built, I I believe we are naturally rhythm-finding creatures, you know? I think humans, we find rhythm, we seek it out, we're looking for that. And so when you find a way to get into rhythm, something like the planets, it feels good, feels natural.
0: Yeah, that it was explained so well and it does go back to what we were talking about so it's you know um, connecting with nature the power of the mind and taking advantage of astrology to help you flow yeah, exactly it really That's does
1: what it's about exactly and you know like simplest way to get into it is to follow the moon and i know a lot of people are doing that now just
0: it's very, popular. The moon. It's very and, popular and and it's just there without even having a chart done i i guess that takes me to my other question. A lot of people write their intentions for the new moon. Mm-hmm. What do, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, um, I think that writing intentions for the new moon is really smart. You know, mm-hmm. it's a seed. What I do to add the extra layer to that is I pay attention to what house and what sign in my chart the moon is going to be in. So oh. everybody knows what sign it's in which gives you some insight into what this new moon could really help you facilitate best. So you wouldn't ask a new moon in Capricorn to help you find love. It's just going to be like a really rocky, difficult request to get through. It's not the moon in Capricorn's uh, forte to help you with romantic love. Um, I add the second layer. Uh, I look and see what house is this new moon going to be in in my chart. So in a natal chart, there are 12 houses, 12 signs, 12 houses. Mm -hmm. Each house represents a particular area of life. So for example, the second house deals with personal finances, sense of security. So if a new moon is going to be in my second house, that's my opportunity to ask for more foundation materially. Mm -hmm. Something that has to do with those things. And that's been very successful for me. It really seems to be like a perfect blend of all the layers. And it really seems to to be the most smooth, graceful way to work with the moon. However, again, I mean, that's like, those are just fancy astrological layers, which because I know that stuff, I cannot help but apply. But working with the new moon just um, as like, a cycle of generation, mm-hmm. I think is a very powerful way to open yourself up to the wisdom of cyclical time and all of the things that I've been describing, ecological wisdom. Some people are better suited to get more detailed and technical. Some mm-hmm. people want to get more like just open and they, they create their own connection to this this process and this power. I, I applaud both. I think it's great. But the moon is, yeah, it's there for us all. <laughs> I love so much from it, and it's still visible in the sky, even though the stars are not. At least in Los Angeles, are really not. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, in the essence of time, is there anything else you particularly like to discuss?
1: Um, let's see. Well. I would say that um, for anybody who gets really deep into astrology for whatever reason, um, typically people get into astrology because they want to find out about themselves, which I think is a perfect reason, because that was what the oracle at Delphi told us to do, know thyself. Well, astrology is one way to start to do that, Mm. but I would say that um, it doesn't end there. Astrology itself is such an, it's the oldest body of knowledge on the planet, which is something that's staggering to think about. It's the oldest body of human knowledge on the planet, astrology. Um, And it leads you to discover its sister sciences, which are magic and alchemy. Magic and alchemy and astrology actually all braid together. Um, When you go back to the origins of these things, you find that what these all come from is ancient hermetic philosophy so they all end up sort of emerging from your interest in one so if you get into magic it's very typical to find astrology and then perhaps alchemy if you get into astrology eventually you're going to find yourself like into magic and alchemy and i do think that that's the best way because they all really support each other it's a really beautiful blend of knowledge and practice and so Um, I also teach an alchemy class. It's a spiritual alchemy class called Spiritualized, and um, that's been one of my favorite things that I've ever done, and it's actually not about astrology. It's about alchemy, but um, they go together. They go hand in hand. They work well with each other, the basic premise of alchemy is that you can transform your energy. You have that ability. You have the ability to take sorrow and sadness and darkness and turn it into light. And it's a very ancient practice. It's a very ancient process. But again, like astrology, there's something really organic and natural about it. And so those two things, um, those three things, actually, magic, astrology, and alchemy are really what I do, and what I practice. But um, astrology is the most it's the most accessible, it's the most um, relevant for the everyday and it's certainly like, you know, it's my first love. So.
0: <laughs> I, I love that and for everyone that's watching or listening, I'll put all your details in the show notes. And before we go, I always ask our guests, for someone that's looking to find more passion in their life or to discover their passion, what, what would you recommend or what are your thoughts on that?
1: Oh my gosh. I mean, it's hard to not say something cliched, but like. You
0: can you, whatever, whatever comes to you.
1: <laughs> um, I would, I would say like, honestly search your soul and pick one or two things that you genuinely like to do, no matter how useless they may seem and see how you can blend these two things that you love to do together. Because that's what writers do. I mean, they don't come up with original ideas, no matter how great they might be with words. They're not original. What they're doing is they're taking two ideas that already existed and they're blending them together. And it seems original because they've never been blended like that before. Like that's what good writing actually is, is um, an artful mixture of things that have come before. And so I think that like when we're looking to find our passion and how to put into action, like, if it's not already in action, maybe it's because you haven't found two things within yourself that you can artfully blend together to create this sparkling new thing that really inspires you. And I think that's all people really need is to actually feel that spark and then just do it, you know, just let that momentum push you ahead. Um, I never thought I would be doing what I'm doing until I started doing it. But I always was a creative writer. It was one of my, it's what I've been doing since um, before I could even write with my own hand. I had my mom transcribe little poems for me cause they would like start coming through. And I always was like a huge creative writer in school. And I, I did all kinds of things but I lost that belief in my ability to be a creative spirit, I lost that for many years um, because I didn't think I could actually do that in the world. I didn't think the world had any use for this thing that I love to do, nor did I think the world had any use for astrology. I just loved to do it. And when I combined the two, that's when passion, like real passion was born. So I think that's that's a very interesting experiment to, to give to give some, you know, some time to.
0: (laughs) I love that answer. That was beautiful. I was just, I don't know if I was in the car the other day, but I heard somewhere that a true writer cannot write. (laughs) (laughs) And it just keeps reminding me of you because you just have to write.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I really do. I love writing, but I do. I know what you mean. Like, um, I, I often like, I feel like I'm wrestling, like, with something when I'm writing. It's not an entirely pleasant experience. It's not always like, woo, I'm writing. It's very different than, you know, I guess, I guess all art is like that. But I do, I feel like I'm wrestling with words a lot of the time. Like I'm in a fight. It can be really brutal and weird and like tense and conflicted in the writing process for sure. but yeah, I don't think um, if you're if you're really writing something good, you're gonna think it sucks. I mean, it's just a part of the process. You know? mm-hmm. if you think you're a good writer. it typically that's when that's when um, you're just like in need of a good editor, usually. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to the book coming out.
1: Oh. <laughs> <Thank you>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, um, I am totally gonna write a book. It's not like a formed idea yeah, entirely I have like a, a nebulous like grand but vague vision that's slowly coming towards me but yeah I'm totally gonna write a book and I'm really excited I want at least one book that I write to be a beautiful coffee table book with lots of gorgeous art and I don't know what it's gonna take for that to happen but that's one of my visions because I really really want like Beautiful art, huge images. I want it to be like a lovely experience to read. So that's one of my goals.
0: Beautiful. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for being on Passion Harvest. I've loved having you as a guest today and explaining astrology so well. Thank you for and, having me. And all your passions and how to inspire others. Wow. Maybe to have a bit more passion in their life. So thank you very much. Thank
1: you. Thank you. It's my pleasure talking.
0: Okay, bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you would like to know more, follow Passion Harvest on Instagram or Facebook. We would love to hear from you. Tell us how you are living your passions. Please subscribe to our podcast and please rate and review it. Share it with a friend and inspire them to develop their passion. Goodbye and until next time, keep spreading that passion.